0: Welcome back to Expanding Circles, the podcast about everyday origin stories. In today's origin story, we hear about expired Korean tofu, a month at everest base camp elevations, and the hundred famous mountains of Japan. Please enjoy my conversation with Kodiak Atwood. Welcome to our next episode of Expanding Circles. My guest today is Kodiak Atwood. Say hi to the folks, Kodiak. Hi there. How are you doing today? I'm not too bad. How hi. about yourself? Doing all right. This is our first. This is an in-home edition, not at school for a change. So. Woohoo! So, Kodiak, you are from. Where are you from?
1: Uh, I always say I'm from Oregon, but I uh, was actually born in Washington and uh, moved to Oregon after elementary school
0: okay yeah. so you spent the first 10 12 years of your life in 10
1: years yeah in Washington
0: in Washington and then down to Oregon yeah. where in Oregon
1: um a couple of places I first moved to Corvallis and then I was in Bend for a little while but then I grew up mostly in Monmouth Oregon it's a very small little
0: boring town okay small boring town okay <laughs> not much to say about it well I, I have to say I'm 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 not at all familiar with the west coast so mm. um tell me a bit about oregon and your oregon
1: my oregon um <laughs> i relate mostly pro, mostly relate to eugene oregon i would say because that's where i um went to college and i have a closer tie to that area i think i don't really have such close ties to monmouth because it's a small boring town <laughs> but um <laughs> I don't know. I really like Oregon. It's, there's a lot of nature. Uh, it's a very beautiful state. I think people are very casual, laid back and friendly. Um, I think uh, it's got yeah a nice culture because of that. A um, lot of a lot of outdoor activities, which is probably why I'm partially inclined to lots of outdoor
0: activities. I was going to ask because yeah. I, I figured that that's a major source of your mountain climbing and various other outdoor activities is growing up in Oregon?
1: Yeah, uh, since I was little, I I always partook in outdoor things, like even when I was like a toddler my and living in Washington, we lived on the uh, Puget Sound, so um, my parents would take me out like on the uh, uh, ocean with like a canoe and that kind of thing, uh, hiking and backpacking,
0: so your parents yeah. are outdoors people as well? Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Uh, not as much anymore, I think. My dad still gets out quite a bit, but my mom maybe not as much anymore, I think. But yeah, they were.
0: Okay. For sure. And so, so you grew up in Oregon, and so you went to school in Eugene, you said? So yes. So that University of Oregon? University of Oregon, go Ducks. Go Ducks. You're, you're, <laughs> had quite a, we've had several Ducks on, on the podcast so far. <laughs> So, um, why did you go end up at Oregon? Um, I applied to a
1: couple different schools. Um, but, um, I liked Oregon because I thought it had a pretty good, um, program for what I wanted to do. And then also, um, it's a very liberal and like open-minded school, I think, which I liked how, um, I like that about it and uh but I wasn't sure and then I visited the campus for a uh when I was in high school I was in a, a model u n uh club and I visited there for the state championship and uh, really enjoyed my time at the university and decided I wanted to go there
0: okay so you said that would it also had was a a good program and what you wanted to study what what was that
1: um i want well i uh i double majored in um English lit and Japanese, and I thought both programs were pretty good.
0: Okay, so English lit, why why those? Um. Well,
1: uh, I'll backtrack a little bit. It's uh, <laughs> fine. it's fine. We'll go back. We'll go back. Uh, when I was in high school, I did uh, study abroad in Japan, in Niigata, and um, I really enjoyed my time during the study abroad. And I decided, well, I. Well, I, um, I made good friends with my English teacher, um, from Chicago (laughs) and, uh, um, I thought he had a really cool job and I thought that was cool. And I really liked living in Japan. And then after school, my, uh, my friends would ask me for help with their homework and, um, thought I had a kind of natural talent for teaching and I thought that would be a cool thing to do. So I decided I wanted to be a, English teacher in Japan and so um, I decided I wanted to study Japanese in university and um, I decided to do English Lit which I probably I'm glad I did but I probably wouldn't have chosen that knowing what I know now I probably would have gone with linguistics but at the time I was thinking if I became a better English speaker and like Uh, English user that I would be better informed with English but linguistics would have been a better route to go I think but I I really enjoyed uh, English Lit Uh, I enjoyed it a lot too in high school so that made me want to do it there's a lot less I think diversity in subjects in high school. And so you don't really get to experience things like linguistics or things like that in high school. So I was kind of going with what I knew.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard of a high school with a linguistics course. So yep. Yep. not a, not a common thing. No. <laughs> so I've, I'm a little bit curious about, you said um, you were in Niigata for study abroad yes. in high school. Yes. Um, when, Where in Niigata were you?
1: I was in Niigata-shi.
0: Okay, so in Niigata uh, City. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. How long was that?
1: I was there for six months.
0: Six months. Okay, so a fairly extended.
1: Yeah. No. Period. And I was uh, at a high school there, and uh, I took all the same classes as the students, wore the school uniform, all that. It was. Uh, it was the experience. I was also going from um, living in small towns all my life to going to Niigata City, which is not a huge city for Japan standards, but still like a couple million people. So. I
0: guess yeah. I think the overall metro is is over a million. Yeah. 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 So it's it's a good sized city, certainly.
1: Yeah. It was the I think first time I had seen like public transportation.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> it was a it was a experience uh, culturally for just being in Japan and also
0: just being in a larger metro area. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, but good experience. Obviously You enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Yeah, a lot. Okay. <clears throat> And so you decide then to go to Oregon, do Mm -hmm. Japanese and English Lit. Yep. And how was that?
1: It was good. Um, I enjoyed my classes for the most part. Um, I uh, really enjoyed university life a lot. Uh, I miss it. Uh, (laughs) uh, I ended up uh, picking up uh, a... Second language acquisition and and language teaching certificate and a uh, Asian studies minor as well. Um, I worked a couple part time jobs as a uh, as a an English tutor for international students and I also planned trips for the uh, the language school at the university, which I enjoyed a lot. Uh, I was really involved with like the international. Seen at the university, I did a bunch of volunteer work and participated in a bunch of the the events on campus and stuff. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that aspect a lot. I, most of my friends were probably international students. Um, I really lo- that was probably my favorite part of being a university student was just that connection to the uh, the international cultures that are at universities.
0: Because I imagine Oregon's probably got a pretty big international population, right?
1: Yeah, we had quite a few, um, quite a few countries represented. I think there was like 100 and uh, 100 something uh, countries represented at the university, students from those countries. And uh, uh, with the the way that the university system is now in the States, uh, there's a lot of, international students coming in to offset the costs of in-state students and uh, the, the lower tuition money from in-state students so uh, yeah there's a lot of international students um, it's gone down a bit since I left I think uh, um, they've they've reduced the size of the language school because of um, a loss of scholarship for Saudi Arabian students but that's
0: another that I think <laughs> we've heard a bit about uh, Saudi Arabian students yeah. and some of our other podcasts. So yeah. I,
1: yeah, it's been an interesting, it was a very large population of the,
0: uh, of the language school. So this is the language school. Is this like getting students ready to study in an American university or is it just,
1: there's, there's several different programs, but the vast majority of the, uh, the students are students that couldn't get a high enough TOEFL score to enter the university. So they, um, they take the classes at the language school until they can either pass the TOEFL or they graduate from the language school, which would count as the equivalent of a, a high enough TOEFL score.
0: And so then they can go on into regular classes if mm-hmm. that's what they're planning to do. Yes, yeah,
1: that's the majority of students. Uh, there's some teacher training programs, and there's just some like general English programs for short-term study abroad. But the vast majority are trying to become university students.
0: Okay, so yeah. you had a, a fair amount of working with kind of international students and non-native English speakers. Yeah, I as started
1: as... I don't think I started my first quarter, but I started the second quarter. So, so pretty much my entire time there, I was... So pretty much right away. Yeah. Um, And then after I graduated, well, I guess before that, uh, my junior year, I decided I wanted to do a a study abroad in Mongolia. And then I went to the information session and they told me it was going to cost $27,000 for about a 10 week program. And I said, that's not possible for me. (laughs) And then they asked if I had considered doing an international internship, which I could do for up to six months for about $3,000. And so I said, that sounds intriguing. (laughs) Tell me more. And so um, I ended up going to Mongolia for, uh, well, it was a two-part internship. I went to Ireland first for a month and a half. Um, which was supposed to be kind of the pre-training for the internship before going to Mongolia. The uh, the organization I was working for was this Buddhist uh, organization, um, and the headquarters are in
0: Ireland, of all places. <laughs> so one of the most Catholic nations in the world mm-hmm. is the home of the headquarters of this Buddhist organization.
1: Yes. Uh, there's... Okay. Uh, Rinpoche, one of like the highest ranks of the like Tibetan Buddhist monks who uh, was a refugee in Ireland. And I think he started the the organization and there's a few uh, Irish monks there as well Um, and a a couple other uh, um, Tibetan uh, monk like refugees
0: staying there. Okay, so yeah. a short so short time in Ireland to kind of like training and stuff, kind of like getting mm-hmm. ready.
1: Yeah, um, and while I was there, I tutored the uh, the monks that were there, and I also did like um, gardening. Um, the The internship itself was originally supposed to be more like uh, kind of like woofing, like farming, gardening, that kind of thing, um, but. Um, there was leeway and freedom in there to like kind of develop it as I wanted to, and since I had a focus on language teaching, I kind of went in that direction with it. And I got to read like uh Tintin tin in Tibet to Buddhist monks, and they enjoyed it. It was fun, like that. It was fun times. Uh, it was a very different experience, I think, than uh, the average Irish experience i was i, uh, I would imagine yeah.
0: a lot less guinness
1: yes there was a dry uh dry center i guess you would call it dry Not i can't say campus but a uh, dry area and so there was no alcohol on the premises and uh there was you know meditation a couple times a day and it was also like a kind of retreat center that people would pay for kind of like a hostel sort of thing and so there was so, um events and things like that going on and i would cook for guests
0: and that sort of thing so the irish folk who want to experience buddhism yes they,
1: for example they had like a, a a couple day long like a silent retreat thing where nobody could talk and had to be really careful not to talk around the
0: the guests and yeah that kind of thing <laughs> all right so you do your you do your uh your training, your preparations in Ireland. Yes. And then off to Mongolia.
1: Yes. Then off to Mongolia for uh, five and a half months I was there. Um, and Mongolia was definitely an experience. Uh, it's very different than anywhere else I've been. Um, I uh, was working mostly in Gachert, which is uh, about an hour and a half half i guess out of the capital city and then i was working there on the weekdays and then i was working in the capital on the weekends staying at the main buddhist center with the same organization there um and so i was working seven days a week which uh didn't leave much time for travel or anything like that but uh were short work days it's just i was occupied every day, so I didn't get to see as much of the country as I would have liked. But, um, but yeah, I taught uh, taught English for about an hour or two a day, and then would work in the garden, and then um, would go up into the mountains and go backpacking, and then camp over the night, and then come back and then get ready for my lesson and teach. <laughs> That's pretty much my life there. I lost a lot of weight, too, because I'm vegetarian and
0: Mongolia is not vegetarian. <laughs> Especially, I'm sure, if you're out of the cities. Mm-hmm. I'm sure in the city you might be able to manage it with but... I would
1: buy, like, a week's worth of groceries and then go. But, yeah, the uh, it was not ideal. I, I uh, lived off of, basically, spaghetti and expired tofu from Korea. I would go to, like, the store and they'd all be expired and I would just like sort through them and try and find them the least expired. expired. <laughs> so I lost, uh, I think 12 kilos while I was there. So almost 30 pounds, something like that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's a lot. Yep. <laughs> That's a lot. I was really skinny. Yeah. But overall good experience. Yeah.
1: No, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was, definitely trying and difficult but um uh, i feel like i learned a lot and uh you know changed i i learned i learned how to be very adaptable i think when i was in mongolia um the culture i think kind of demands that um because everybody kind of does just whatever they want it's a very it's very based on like those nomadic ideas of complete freedom and so um it's not it's like a kind of extreme example i guess of u.s culture where everybody has their own liberties and freedoms um so for example i'd get like woken up at like five in the morning by my uh i can't really say coworker like the person that kind of made sure i was okay that <laughs> lived on the site like wake me up at like five in the morning sometimes and be like we're not working today oh okay why uh we don't feel like it like okay i'll i'll go back to sleep or get woken up at five in the morning and to uh there's a taxi waiting outside you've got five minutes to put all your stuff together wait what (laughs) what's happening where are we going you don't have time just put your stuff together (laughs) and then you drive across the country and end up in the Gobi desert and your students would have no idea what's going on and you'd hope somebody put a sign up in the door or something, but <laughs> yeah. That, so, uh, so I think that helped a lot uh, in terms of like coming to Japan and teaching because uh, when there's you know like a cultural aspect, that's a little bit difficult. Um, it's uh, pretty easy to adapt to, I think, in comparison.
0: Yeah, that sounds a bit extreme. Mm-hmm. But
1: but I enjoyed it Um, I learned a lot Um, Yeah, and then I uh, Then I came back to the States Uh, I finished um, undergrad And then um, in the summer between Undergrad and graduate school I took part in a uh, research study um, i wasn't a researcher i was a participant i was a subject um, in bolivia of uh how it was about how your body adapts to high altitude and since i have an interest in mountains and travel um i was in the uh, on, i was on the uh in the badminton club and um i got a there was, had, they had flyers for all the people in the, the sports and teams and clubs saying like, are you athletic? Are you interested in going to Bolivia? Do you like mountains? Do you want to get paid to go to Bolivia and live on a mountain? <laughs> yeah, that sounds like me. So uh, I went to the information session. Uh, there were probably at least 100 people there. Um, at first and then they started describing like muscle biopsies and all the blood work and stuff like that and then probably half those people (laughs) uh were there at the end but uh yeah i did the the physical fitness tests and things like that i was actually one of the least fit of the the finalists um um all the people that were selected were very you know like uh played on the sports teams and were very fit and stuff like that. But uh uh so I was on a waiting list and then uh they uh did a drug test after four twenty and uh, somebody failed and so I got to go. <laughs> and uh um so we did all the the base tests and Eugene and then afterward uh went to Bolivia and then um we um Because the capital is such a high elevation, we uh, had to spend the first uh, couple nights at a lower elevation in this little tropical city, Corico, I believe is what it was named. and um, So we stayed there for a couple nights. I was lucky in that I was one of the last of the subjects to go to Bolivia because the previous subjects got all the the kinks worked out. for example, uh, the first seven people that went up to the mountain, um, they weren't regulating how much fluids they were intaking, and they all passed out as soon as they got to the top. Um, so I got spared of that. Um, but basically, we lived up on a mountain uh, at I believe it. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to think in meters, or I'm trying to think in feet. But in meters, it was. 5,500 meters, which is, I think, like, 17,000 and a half. Yeah, sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, it's the same elevation as Ever space camp. Um, So I lived up on this mountain with 23 other U of O students and some doctors and researchers for a month. We had three days of testing, uh, the first day, the middle day, and the last day. Um... And then the rest of the time we were basically just chilling in sleeping bags because it was freezing up there and uh, doing like Harry Potter movie marathons and stuff like that. Um, So that was definitely an interesting experience. Um, uh, Yeah,
0: and then... so So they're like looking for just like the effects of high altitude on
1: basically yes uh which was uh which was difficult because everyone got altitude sickness and uh there's medication for that but they can't treat you for it because that's what they're studying is how your body adapts and so
0: so you just have to deal with the the altitude sickness yep
1: which lasts for about five days or so and so uh
0: that was five miserable days
1: (laughs) yes yes that was not fun um And I also got uh, like an intestinal, like uh, what what would you call, like a stomach kind of bug while I was up there. So I was never fully healthy there. My uh, my test results were actually scrapped from the the final report because of that. But um, um, yeah, so I wasn't I didn't feel great up there, but it was still fun even being sick. Um, It was a very unique experience.
0: Yeah that that's not something most of us can say we've done is spend a a month at you know Everest base camp levels.
1: Yeah. So. Uh and there was a lot of stuff like uh there was like a muscle biopsy thing where they had to take a muscle sample from my leg which was like a needle the size of a pencil and the samples the size of a pencil eraser so like things like that weren't very fun or they um they had to take like an artery tissue sample and they feed like a wire that's about 10 inches down your down your wrists and things like that that most people are not okay with that uh it wasn't the best but again those are only three days out of the month so
0: well i mean, yeah i guess yeah. that explains why half of those are first hundred at the information session disappeared
1: yep um and then afterward uh i got to travel around south america a little bit i climbed uh Huayna Potosi, which was a mountain very close to where I was staying. This is over 6,000 meters, so it's definitely the tallest mountain I've climbed. Um, and my first experience with like a real mountaineering with like crampons and ice axes and that kind of thing, helmets. Um, and then I went to Machu Picchu, which was pretty amazing. And then uh, came back and went back and then started grad school like a couple weeks later
0: and grad school for
1: uh language teaching uh it was uh it's was in the applied linguistics department but it was all language teaching like TESOL related stuff for the most part Um, and I really enjoyed the program the program was awesome I met uh Ryan and Brandon there um, who are currently working at TIU and uh several other of the TIU staff of uh graduated from the LTS, and it was a really amazing program. Uh, the reason reason I selected it was uh, because as an undergrad, I took Japanese classes, and a lot of the uh, the Japanese teachers there had um, graduated from the LTS or were current LTS students, and uh, they were some of the best classes I had taken, and I decided if that's the kind of teachers that the, the uh, program produces, that that's the program I want to do. Um, I also got to sample some of the classes as an undergrad because I did the uh, second language acquisition and teaching certificate which uh, is some of the same classes so I had less required classes as a graduate student because of that. Um, But I sampled the some of the courses and really enjoyed that so decided to go to grad school at U of O2. It was also easier I had a long-term girlfriend at the time, and so it was easier to stay in Oregon, and, uh, and the program seemed really great, so I decided on that. Um,
0: and so after you finish with your program, mm-hmm. what'd you do then?
1: Uh, after I finished, I went straight to TAU. Um, I was really lucky in that regard. Uh, Ryan and I both went straight to TIU Uh, I went to an information session about TIU actually at the very beginning of uh, when I just started the LTS. There was an information session about um, teaching at TIU. And I went and the director of my program and I were the only attendees at the place and uh, I said to uh, um, the person who was uh, representing TIU at the time that I was really interested but I couldn't do it because I was just starting, uh, but if there were openings in the future, I'd be interested, and uh, luckily there were, and they remembered me, because I was the only one that was there. <laughs> um, and so after I, uh, or actually, um, while I was still a, a, a student, I, uh, I taught uh, at uh, TIUA for a short while in the summer with Ryan. Um, so we got hired technically I guess before graduating. Um, I was also teaching at the language school when I was a graduate student so I was uh, teaching classes there uh, while studying which was really nice because I could learn about teaching and then apply it like right after class and experiment with things and then um, yeah so I worked at uh, the language school there for a year and then um, worked at TIUA in the summer for a short while. And then uh, after graduating in the summer, uh, just like two or three weeks later, went to TIU.
0: And you're not not the very first, but pretty early on in the GTI, right?
1: I came in in the second semester. Um, basically, what had happened was two of the... Um, original 10 teachers for the first year um, dropped out for various reasons and they needed two people to come in and they just hired um, 10 of us for the second year and uh, Ryan and I were the ones with the teaching experience and had been to Japan before and uh, um, they asked us if we would be willing to come earlier and so um, uh, we came in for the fall semester, so six months after the program started.
0: And how's your experience been with the program here at TIU?
1: I, I, I love it. I really like it. Um, I've um, really enjoyed my time at TIU. Um, yeah, I don't really have much... Uh, negative things to say about it everything's pretty good <laughs>
0: uh, i mean that's that that's what we like to hear i guess mm-hmm. i mean you enjoy the job that's always a plus I certainly do
1: yeah um i've enjoyed my time in japan too um yeah yep. everything's been pretty good
0: well i can't complain that's good i mean it's, and speaking of you know, you say you enjoy your time in japan yep um you, you i know a lot of people are aware of this though you've been climbing the uh, hundred mountains The 100 Famous Mountains of Japan, right? Yes,
1: the Nihon Hyakumeizan, yes. Right.
0: And how did this get started? (laughs) (laughs) Good question. Um,
1: Well, before I came to Japan, I was into mountain climbing uh, just from, um, I guess, growing up in Oregon and around the outdoors and um, as a little kid experiencing it. Um, It's hard to verbalize why i enjoy climbing mountains so much but um i don't know there's 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 something about you know the the physical beauty of it going up to the top and seeing you know the wonderful views and whatnot from that and but there's something also about just like the challenge of you know um getting to the top of the the mountain and then feeling the accomplishment of doing that um, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but uh, but I really enjoy climbing mountains. I did a bu- a, did a bunch in Oregon. I was uh, when I was a student, I was a trip initiator for the outdoor program, and so I did a lot of outdoor program trips and uh, went to a bunch of national parks and stuff like that. Um, and so I was I was interested in climbing mountains before and i knew before i came to japan that i wanted to climb the 10 tallest mountains in japan Um, and so that was my original goal and uh, so i kind of set out in doing that did some climbing uh, and i wasn't aware of the hundred mountains of japan and then um, after a couple years here i was i had heard about it and was reading about it and I was just curious how many I would already done, and I had looked it up, and I had done about 15 of them. I was like, oh, I've already done about 15. I, I, could, I could do the rest. <laughs> it would be physically possible. <laughs> and, uh, and so I uh, decided I wanted to do that. Um, I think uh, it's a great way to see Japan and see a lot of Japan that most people don't get to see. Um, they're fairly well spread out around Japan. They cover most of the prefectures, so I figure I can uh, I can see the majority of Japan um, and some of the most beautiful places in Japan while doing it. So um, that's motivation for it as well.
0: And about how many? What what number are you on so far?
1: I am currently at forty eight, and I'm planning to do two next week, which will put me
0: uh, at the halfway mark. So. That's uh pretty impressive. Thank you I have to admit I mean I've I've joined you on a couple of the climbs but yes I, and I
1: appreciate that thank you It's, it's always been, fun to have someone along.
0: and it certainly has been fun to to join you so hopefully I can join you at least one or two more
1: Yeah I hope so for
0: sure or so, more
1: yeah yeah
0: so any any idea when you'll hope to finish
1: um, I'm not sure currently uh, my original plan was actually at the end of this summer um, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure anymore, um, hopefully still, uh, by the end of this year, I know that sounds like a lot, but I think it's, uh, it's possible, um, this summer is the kind of peak climbing period, and last summer I didn't, um, spend much time climbing, I, uh, went back to Oregon and uh, went to Korea for, um, Brandon's wedding, and I, uh, my sister came and visited and so i i only had a couple weeks to climb during the summer and this time around i'll have a lot more time so um yeah so hopefully uh if i can i'll finish this year uh, there are various factors that uh i can't control like volcanoes erupting though uh, it's a problem yes which is uh cutting out uh three of the mountains i want to do in kyushu uh, in a couple weeks So things like that come up, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) Well,
0: we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep track. So
1: I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on, uh, how, what number I'm on. Good to hear.
0: So, and I guess then kind of last question, yeah, going forward, Mm -hmm. where do you see yourself in the next two, five, 10 years, however long?
1: It's a very good question. And I asked myself the same, (laughs) um, I'm not sure. Uh, It's hard, I think, to predict the future because things change so rapidly. Um, Currently, uh, I've got two more years at TIU. If things don't change, it's the last uh, two years I can stay at TIU. They won't keep me anymore, unfortunately. Kicking you out? Yep, I'm getting kicked out after six and a half. So um, um, after two years... Um, ideally as of now what I would like to do would be um, to find I I would like to stay in Japan and continue teaching in Japan Um, and I would also really like to do the Pacific Crest Trail uh, which for those of you who don't know is a trail that goes from the Mexican border to the Canadian border Um, takes about four or five months to hike So you can't really do that very well with a job. So I was thinking after I finish at T A U, maybe I would do that, and then ideally find a job where I could have work, you know, like a year out or something. And so I, when I grad, when I not graduate after graduation, uh, have a job lined up for like the the following April, and then go back to the states, do the Pacific Crest Trail, then come back to Japan and start work again. Uh, would i guess be the ideal scenario for me at this time. I'm so, not sure though. It's so
0: a professional gap year.
1: Yes, basically, yes, professional gap year for <laughs> for uh, hiking <laughs> hiking across the uh the western states.
0: Well, good luck on that. Thank you. <laughs> good luck on that. So, well, yeah. I hope whatever happens, I hope you find something good. Thank you. And I appreciate that. I'm sure everyone will be interested to see where you go.
1: Thank so. you. Yeah. I'm I'm interested too.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure.
0: So, all right. Thank you all for listening. See you next time. Bye. And that's all for this episode. I hope you enjoyed if you have any questions for myself or any of my guests we now have an email account you can send questions and comments to expandingcirclespodcast at gmail.com that's all one word one more time that's expandingcirclespodcast at gmail.com spring break is winding down which means as teachers our schedules are ramping up that means that while it will be easier to find people to talk to Finding the time to do so might be difficult. But there will be more episodes in the near future, so please stay tuned and stay subscribed.